talking about the love that flows from one to another, here is Pastor Ed Taylor. Love flows when we're not competing with one another. We're not jockeying for position. Love flows. Love flows when we're not talking down on someone, talking down about someone. Love flows when we're not trying to be anything or anyone or anybody but people to please our master. This is amazing grace. The Lord intended for the Christian to be known by our love for one another. Not the love that ebbs and flows with the tides of the sea, but a continual love. We'll learn more about this constant flow of love today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Last time you may recall, we began to consider the love that the Christian is to exhibit, that it not only abhors evil, but does what is good. Starting in verse nine, here is Pastor Ed. Cling to what is good. When it comes to clinging to what is good and hating what is evil, it's really for us, it's a time for a reality check here, okay, church? It's time for us to really examine our own lives, our own homes, and say, hey, what's the reality? Am I really hating evil? Because, you know, the devil is one slick character. I mean, the Bible says we're not ignorant of his schemes, but at times we kind of act that way, like we're, we're, we're not, like, like we are ignorant. Like we don't see that this is just a trap from Satan. This is, that's all it is. There you are, you're watching your favorite television program, hooked up with that movie that was recommended to you. And you go in and you got a little uneasy feeling, but you got through it. And, and then right in the middle, the, the scene was so perfect. The lines were delivered so well. The music, everything happened. And right at the right point, just like the rest of the theater, there you are laughing like crazy. Ha, 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 ho, 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 ho. Did you see that? And there you are, that person next to you. They're laughing. Everybody's laughing. Oh, 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 oh man, my gut is hurting. I'm laughing so much at evil. What? I'm laughing at what? Yeah, I'm laughing at evil, aren't I? I'm laughing at, well, that same evil that would happen in someone else's life. You wouldn't laugh so much at that, now would you? You'd probably want to help them, wouldn't you? You'd probably want to come alongside and serve them. You'd probably call them on the phone every day to make sure they're okay. But oh, up on the screen, <laughs> and the enemy's slick. He gets us. He can get us to laugh at evil, to write it off. Oh, it's no big deal. To be insensitive to evil. To not even, just not even pay attention to it anymore. And I don't even see it anymore. I don't even feel it anymore. And that's where the trap is set. No, no, church. I mean, I really hope you pray and take this to heart. Do you really hate what is evil? Or has it just been so long that you haven't really cared about what's evil or not? You really haven't even thought about it. Clinging to what is good? I mean, are you clinging to what is good? Is that what you're known by? Is that what I'm known by? I'm just a good person, a godly person. I cling to what is good. If I have the opportunity, I do good. If I don't have the opportunity, I look for the opportunity to do good in Jesus' name. Do I hate evil? Do I do good? Am I clinging to good? That word cling, you can circle it, you can write next to it, super glue. Because that's what it means. 
to be so firmly connected to what is good that you're inseparable. You know when that stuff enters into the church, it enters into the leadership, it enters into the pastoral staff, the church starts to die that moment until those guys and gals repent in my life and in your life because no believer is insignificant. Every believer affects the church. The Bible says you really want to be an effective witness? Hey, be different. Be different than the world. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now, back in Romans 12, verse 10, just all these little good insights, just like reading the Proverbs, just a lot of good insights on how to live life. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. I like that. Be kindly affectionate, giving preference. Don't let that phrase brotherly love pass you by too quickly, okay? Because that word brotherly reminds us that we are a part of a family right here, right now. The, of the many descriptions of the church in the Bible, I love the description of a family. The church is a family, our family. We're a part of this family, the Calvary family right here. We're also a part of the forever family of God. And for all of those believers up and down the front range, around the country and around the world that call upon the name of the Lord and with a pure heart and sound doctrine, we are a part of a huge family filled with brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and moms and dads and grandparents. You know, you're not just sitting in a room with a bunch of strangers here. It's better to consider it like a family reunion, right? Where you find out, oh, aunt so-and-so, is she a part of our family? Yes, she's a part of the family, yeah. And all those cousins, all those aunts, all those uncles, yes, yes, they're all part of the family. And over time, you get to know them. You, you get to communicate with them. You get to serve with them. I mean, it's not uncommon for someone to be sitting over here, right? You're sitting over here, and I give the second opportunity to greet, and as you're moving around, there, there he is the guy that used to bully you in high school. You've been waiting for this moment, haven't you? You've been working out. Dun, 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 dun. If I ever meet that guy again, bam! But he's in church. And God's already busted you on that like 50 times. You can't beat him up. I'm looking at a few of you. It's nothing personal, but I can do over here. So I've already, you guys have already come, come to that conclusion. The Lord says, no, you're going to bless those that hurt you. You're going to forgive them. And so now, now, not, he's not the bully. She's not the bully in high school anymore. She's, he's, well, he's the brother. She's the sister now. And now you're in the same family. And what does the Bible say to do to that person? Be kindly affectionate in honor, giving preference to them. It's a whole new ball game in Jesus Christ, isn't it? It's a whole new deal. We let go of grudges. We let go of things that we've held on to for years, not because things have changed, but because we've changed. We've changed. We're different now. We're not the same anymore. The old Ed, the old you, has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Good stuff. You're a part of a family here. We're not just sitting around with strangers that we'll never get to know, but we're sitting around brothers and sisters that indeed we will get to know. God our Father is making it all come to pass. And I know that just thinking of the word Father, thinking of the word family, makes some of you very uneasy. It's a very difficult thing for you to picture the church as a family because the family you grew up in, well, it wasn't all that much of a family, now was it? It was a tough time for you. 
some of you came out of or even are currently in a very tough situation when it comes to family. I mean, some of you have a hard time just deciding what sets of parents do we go to for the holidays. And some of you guys are wondering, how much am I going to get to see my daughter, get to see my son? What kind of visit? I mean, it's just because the enemy, Satan, has been attacking the family from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden, man. I mean, didn't you see it? Do you see how right in the beginning in that pristine experience, the anatomy, they fall into sin, and immediately, it seems, they start having kid problems with their sons, sibling rivalries that led to jealousy, that led to murder. You know, Satan's always been attacking, always been trying to undermine the family, always been trying to take the family out, make son against son, daughter against daughter, mom against dad, dad against mom. And then you factor in step-parents and all. It just, the enemy is fast at work. What God is trying to restore, the enemy is trying to tear down. We can't be ignorant of his devices. It happens in the church, too. And what are you going to do? You get a, you know... You're in the church, right? This family. And you get wronged. Let me just warn you. When you gather a group of people together, believer or unbelievers alike, let me just warn you right now. You will get hurt. If it hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen. Especially in the context of a church. Especially here at Calvary. You go, wait a minute. What kind of church is this? You know, Do we just go around hurting people? No, no, no. No, but a lot of hurting people come through our doors, make this their home, yeah. A lot of hurting people. A lot of people going through a lot of stuff. And you know what I've learned over the years? You might want to just tuck this away. Hurting people hurt people. Did you know that? Hurting people hurt people. Sometimes they do it on purpose. Sometimes they do it on accident. But hurting people always hurt people. And as you choose to be a part of a fellowship family, even one like ours, growing and thriving and, and enlarging with more and more people. You choose to get involved. Then you start choosing. Then you make that choice to get involved in their lives. Then you make that choice to start serving. Then you make that choice maybe to be in spiritual leadership or to make a commitment. You're going to be hurt. It's going to happen. The choice now will be what will you do? I'll tell you what a lot of people do. I'll just run away. I'm running away. Really? Is that on your mind right now? Running away. Yep. I've had enough, Ed. I'm running away. Where are you going to run to? Well, I'm running to the church down the street that won't hurt me. It's not going to happen. You know what I found about running away? Wherever you run, when you get to your destination, guess who's there? You! You're never going to outrun your problems. As a matter of fact, you choose to run away. That's been your pattern in your life. All you're doing is making things worse. Because you run away, you're still there. And it seems to keep happening, huh? Everywhere you go, the same things keep to come happening because you're a part of it. It's not just everyone else. You and I, we're part of these types of things. And you know what? Maybe God's working in your hearts for you to repent and change your ways. The worst thing for you to do when you're hurt is to run away. The best thing for you to do is to persevere and to handle things biblically. God gives us biblical direction on how to handle difficulties in the church, in the family, in your own family. So don't run away. For some of you, you're here in God's family. You're going to have to unlearn some things and relearn some things when it comes to the family, when it comes to understanding a loving heavenly father with brothers and sisters that love us. If you stick with this church long enough, that should happen in your life. You should unlearn some things and relearn some things. I mean, if you came from a good, godly family, what a gift you were given. 
Huh, don't despise that. It is a gift. It is wonderful. But also you need to pray for a heart of understanding for those that weren't given that kind of upbringing. Those that got saved later in life. Those that are just now getting saved. Do you think a person gets saved and everything gets cleaned up day one? Of course not. It takes time. God's working things out. Little by little, he told the children of Israel, I'll drive out the inhabitants from before you. And that little by little takes time and it takes a good group of patient, long-suffering Christians, brothers and sisters, to help us along the way. God wants to give you a new understanding of how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, how much he is on your side and for you, not against you. You might really have a hard time with that concept of a loving father, but God wants to show you what it looks like. Maybe your dad on earth here didn't care much about you. Maybe he wasn't there for you. Maybe he checked out early on. Maybe he still today forgets your birthday, doesn't know how many kids you have, all the types of things that can cause great hurt and pain in your heart. But let me tell you something. Your father in heaven knows everything there is to know about you and more. Before you can even verbalize what's on your heart, your father in heaven knows you. He's already comforting, already sending help, already working in your life before you ever say a word of asking. The Bible says that our Father is for us, not against us. The Bible says that you can cast your cares upon Him because you know why? He cares for you. And God is doing that new and fresh work. Parents, our responsibility is to raise our kids and hand them off to the Lord, to create an environment where love is flowing in our homes. We're to be good mommies and daddies so that our kids can understand what the love of God is and what it looks like. Satan's attack on the family is to mess up this whole picture so that our kids don't understand relationship. And that's how they grow up and they take that into adulthood. His attacks surround making us doubt one another, not care for each other, and live superficial, loveless lives. Listen, the love of God is wonderful and one of the ways that the love of God is displayed, listen parents, and even if you don't have kids yet, prepare yourself. One of the ways that God's love is displayed is through solid, faithful discipline. Discipline. Our children need to learn at an early age that sin hurts. Sin hurts. One of the ways that God has given us as parents is to spank our children appropriately. Don't misunderstand the Bible and the world that says, oh, that's advocating child abuse. That is so not true. God never advocates child abuse, ever. But God did create this little section. It's real comfortable and soft. That at the appropriate time and the appropriate reason, bear the rod what? Spoil the child. You're going to spoil them, not, not like in our words, we'll spoil, they get everything they want. Spoil them to be godly kids. You don't want to spoil them. You want to raise godly kids. And for some of you, maybe, you know, the, the kids aren't at that place where that kind of spanking won't work anymore. Maybe for some of your kids, spanking, you know, becomes taking the Xbox away. That hurts. Dad, man, I've been working on that game. I've been saving that game. It hurts, doesn't it? So, yes, it hurts. Well, don't sin anymore, boy. <laughs> or the next one, you'll see Xbox on eBay. You can buy it back if you want. <laughs> or maybe that older kid, you know, comes home too late at night, hasn't been listening to curfew, and they wake up in the morning, Dad, the internet's down. And there you are with the scissors. I know, son. <laughs> and if you were here at curfew, you could have watched me cut the cable. There's a lot of things that we as parents need to establish with our kids in love and in discipline. Now, are we perfect parents? <laughs> no, and our kids would say, no! But you don't beat yourself up over our failures. Of course we're going to fail. 
we get in the flesh with our kids. We, we're going to make really big mistakes, but you know God is even going to, with a repentant heart, begin to restore that stuff too. You see, the heart of the matter is, man, God has given us moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles. He's given us the opportunity to bring love into our kids' lives, and one of that is found through discipline. In Psalm 27, verse 10, it says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. You have a loving heavenly father. Notice he says, in honor, back in verse 10, showing this love and, and, and giving. You know, when the Bible says in Hebrews that when God disciplines us, it shows that he loves us, that he cares. If he didn't care, he'd just let us do whatever we wanted. And then notice, as we're ministering among one another, it says, in honor, giving preference to one another. This is a willingness to let other people take the credit. It's a willingness to let other people go ahead. It's a willingness to let other people giving them room even when everything in your body screams out for yourself. Oh, Ed, that's not in me. Really? It's not in you. It's not in you that you seek yourself more than others. It's not in you that, well, you like the best things in life, don't you? For you. You like the most excellent things in life for you. Oh, it's not in me, Ed, not me. Really. Christmas shopping is just a few months away, right? And I can already see you're driving around the parking lot for an hour looking for a space, right? And you're kind of fed up with it. You need to get in and out. You're in a hurry, can't find a space, and there's one right there. There it is. That's your space, right? Because in parking lot talk, you set it by putting your blinker on, right? That's my space. And there you are. You're ready to go. And then someone else comes. Dun, 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 dun. And you see them, and you're like, that's my space. Come on, hurry up. Get your stuff in. Come on, that's my space. I don't want them coming up. I'm back out. Yes, you're backing out. That's fine. And you're, you're to the point where you see them coming up, and you're talking to them in that other car. Guess what? They can't hear you. <laughs> that's my space. Can't be here. I've been, well, you can't take it. And then the guy starts backing out. No, don't back out that way. That's good. No, don't back this way. Back. No, yeah, go, yeah. Oh, that's my space. And he's like, ah! And they take it. And you're happy, right? <laughs> Of course you're not. And we laugh because it's true. It's in our hearts. Wanting what's best for us. Selfishness, selfish ambition is at the root of every major division, fight, and war. That's what James said. He says, where are fights and wars coming among you? Isn't it because you're selfish? Yeah, it is. It is because I look out for number one. It is because I fail in this area where it says, oh, in honor, giving honor. I mean, imagine your kids, okay, going back to your kids. Imagine you're upstairs and you hear a commotion down in the kitchen among your kids and you're like ready to come down, you've had it. They're fighting over the last piece of apple pie, right? And they're ready to throw some blows over that apple pie and that's, you know, that's normal. They're always fighting over food. But when you're coming down the stairs, you're hearing them say, no, you, no, you have it. No, you take the apple pie. No, I'm sure you have to have it. You haven't had one in five minutes. You take one. Oh, let me cut it into thirds. That's not our kids. And it's not us, apart from the Spirit of God. In the Spirit of God, selfish ambition is dealt a death blow, and we actually, in honor, give preference to one another. We look out for each other's interests. We're not always concerned for us, but we really care about one another. You know, you don't have to go to the shopping mall to have a parking issue, huh? You can have one right there. <laughs> you go, I don't want to park in the street this week. I want a spot on the lot. 
get here at eight o'clock. You're fine, man. So I don't want this, and I don't want that, and I don't want, and I don't. Oh, okay, you don't want. I don't want. But when we start to think, what do you want? How can I serve you? My life exists for you. Imagine a church filled with people that in honor are giving preference to one another. A church filled with people that don't have agendas and always trying to get their way. I mean, it got to the point even with the Corinthians where Paul had to say, why don't you guys just settle on being wronged? And the answer to that is often is because we don't like it. Nor do I think we should like it. But at the same time, in the spirit of God, we can live these verses out, giving preference to one another. That's why I love Marie in my life. God brought Marie and my kids, since they're older now, who are willing to tell me the truth. Not concerned with my position or my title or who I might be. I'm just dad, I'm just Ed, especially with Marie because she grew up with me in the years that I wasn't saved. We went through a lot of things together as young, unsaved kids and young adults. And, and you know, Marie doesn't have a problem looking me in the eye and telling me straight up what I need to hear, the truth. You need people like that in your life. A spouse, a friend, your children perhaps. They'll just look you in the eye and tell you the truth. A leader, a pastor. And on the other side of that, we need to be willing to receive it. Otherwise, we're never going to see how self-absorbed we've become. Let me show you what I mean in Proverbs chapter 27. Would you turn there? I love this. We'll pick up in verse 5, Proverbs chapter 27. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. And so you could write next to that, please tell me the truth. Please, Lord, make me open to the truth. Because when someone tells me the truth about my life, one of the first things it does is send me to the Lord. And I have to ask for wisdom or whether it's true or not. You know, if 10 people come and tell me the same thing, God might be trying to get a word to me, right? You keep hearing the same thing over and over again. God's wanting to get. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, verse 6, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So true. Let us be open to the truth. Let us live out these short, powerful verses in our lives. And as the church body, we can be each other's help in keeping the right view of ourselves in light of God's word. Love flows when we're not competing with one another. We're not jockeying for position. Love flows. Love flows when we're not talking down on someone, talking down about someone. Love flows when we're not trying to be anything or anyone or anybody but people to please our master. And I'll tell you, selfish ambition, conceit, self-absorption, got to get my way. Because, you know, the idea of getting your own way is the, the idea, the picture being painted by Paul is like, you'll do whatever it takes and it doesn't matter who gets stepped on. It doesn't matter who gets hurt. It doesn't matter who cries. It doesn't matter who loses something. I don't care. I win. You know what that does? That attitude puts a stop to the work of God immediately. And God's going to be chipping away at that part of your life until you surrender it and come back to that place. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition, Paul wrote to the Philippians, but giving preference to one another, serving one another. Amen? Putting others ahead of yourself. It's what love does. It's what Jesus did on the cross. Loving, serving, and saving those who will turn to him in faith and receive this gift of love. 
You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the midst of a study in Romans. If you'd like to hear it again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Then look under Quick Links. We also offer the program by podcast. Another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll be able to download both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Thanks for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation today will help us present God's Word over the radio tomorrow. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word to help them grow by God's abounding grace. You're helping to make that possible. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Pastor Chuck Smith's book, Love, The More Excellent Way. We say and sing that love makes the world go round, that love is the answer, and that all you need is love. But what is love? And if it's so popular, why does it seem so hard to find? Allow Pastor Chuck to lead you to the answers in love, the more excellent way. Please call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you just like to make a donation and aren't interested in the resource, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but come back next time when we'll resume Pastor Ed Taylor's study of Romans on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.